And do you remember the 23rd day of September 2019, the 30th, if I can read my own typing, eight years to the day of the debut of the final film of legendary director George Kukar's career in Rich and Famous. Kukar, hmm. famously the director of such classics as the Judy Garland, A Star is Born, My Fair Lady, and A Philadelphia Story. And this is a Connecticut story, as it's another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. So we hope you and we enjoyed the Emmys. Yeah. We'll be recording a data, a little short mm-hmm. reaction show on that soon. I guess today. I, I always get screwed up because we're, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon right. before any of the Emmys happened. We thought about doing a little gag or something, pretending like we watched it, but we're not funny enough <laughs> right. to pull that off. Yeah, right. So we're just going to eschew <laughs> that option altogether uh, and just tell you that we will be recapping the Emmys if there's stuff to talk about, certainly, and then there's any kind of pressing news that comes out of it. We'll have the data dedicated to it. I'm sure it'll give Mike a chance to gloat about Game of Thrones one more time in yes. all its glory. Uh, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should be filled with uh, nerd rage right now because it lost. I don't know. I would be shocked with how much they love celebrating TV shows in their last year. I would be shocked if that didn't win Best Drama. But uh, speaking of things I would be shocked about and then immediately proven wrong about, we have a correction from our last episode. Just wanted to go on the record. We saw it on our social medias. We misinterpreted a story going back to our last Oscar race checkpoint as far as what France's submission for the international film feature would be. We corrected this on our Sorry. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we did it on the stories as well. I even re-recorded a little snippet to intro into and insert it into that episode. For whatever reason, though, my listening to it on my iPhone didn't pick up the new recording, so we just thought it best to kind of lay it out here in this episode as well. Obviously, France picking Le Miz, not picking Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We misinterpreted a story that we made us report that last time, so that's the correction. Uh, we just want to get on top of that right away, say our bad, uh, and apologize yeah. for it. I don't read good. That's <laughs> a Sorry. simple explanation. But what you do do is watch good, Michael, so what are we watching this week? what we're watching. Thank you. And I wonder if Succession won the Emmy. We, 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 again, we were recording this earlier. Succession is still the best show on TV, in my opinion, so I just wanted to make that proclamation right off the you bat. You do feel strongly about it, because you have mentioned it every single week. Every single week. Merit's mentioning it. It means something, right? obligatory Succession right. is the best t- show on TV statement here. Anyway, we you also... never know we're sponsored by HBO. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> Mike... I think we both watched the Comedy Central roast of Alec Baldwin. I watched the YouTube clips. I watched some of the stand-up. Nice to see Robert De Niro dropping an F-bomb on cable again. And he goes after Trump. Good God. Yeah. But look, I think highlights Nikki Glaser. Blake Griffin was funny. Obviously, he didn't write any of that. Right. Uh, Jeff Ross absolutely destroyed at the end. Nikki Glaser on Twi- on Instagram, I think, afterwards, maybe on her Insta story or something, said, it was really awkward and I had to fake laugh because all my jokes were about how I wanted to fuck Blake Griffin, and all his jokes were about how he would never fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty great. And and, uh, she, you can hear, like, in between, you know, right before the commercial, she's like, so you're going to make jokes about wanting to fuck me, right? (laughs) You can hear it, obviously, before they cut the commercials. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Sure, Nikki, sure. Crazy blonde lady. I think we also both watched Between Two Ferns, the movie. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful piece of cinema. (laughs) It was very funny. I mean, that's the bottom line. Just make it funny why do people grade comedies badly 
I don't know. Like, what do you expect with these types of movies that you don't get? Fast forward to our 30 years into movie criticism, right. and maybe we don't laugh at the low-hanging fruit. Exactly, but, like, don't you watch this specifically for the Between Two Firms type of com? Like, why else would you watch this, and what else would you expect from it? They delivered on right. the Between Two of Firms they type did. of comedy, plus some extras. Like, I thought Will Ferrell was hilarious in everything. Killed me. Killed, Killed me. Him, and, him playing himself, Peter Dinklage playing a version of himself. <laughs> Is those Fabergé eggs? Yes. <laughs> thing what Farrell did with the bag. <laughs> Place the bag down slowly. And then he'll kick it over kick to it over really me. hard. Push it if you have to. Yeah. I thought actually Chrissy Teigen may have had the best joke of the whole thing. Though, yes. When she's yes. talking about how she got her career started. I pushed a button, Mr. Rogers died. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Killed. Absolutely destroyed. So that's what I mean. Like everything you expect. Just stupid low-hanging fruit comedy. I loved it. And then the bloopers are like all the outtakes from right. the Between Two Ferns, the show, like the real full the interviews. They make. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Every one of them killed me. The Paul Rudd stuff in particular. I was dying. That's how I yeah. felt about John Hamm as well. Yeah. 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 If you enjoy that type of comedy, I find it very, very hard to believe you would be disappointed by this movie were you to sit down and watch it. Now, if you enjoy this type of comedy, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, <laughs> then of course that's a big win. Uh, I do not... I just think this movie is so forgettable and preposterous and aggravating. Mike, just sacrifice all these major cities for what? Because these two white people said it was for the greater good? And they're proven right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus I didn't know. Christ. Never, I've gotten around to this film. All right. What the hell is going on? This movie sucked so hard. And yet they're pressing forward. It's on the schedule. The post has been released. Yeah. Congress versus Godzilla is going to be something that we get in 2020. I guess they have to. I mean, they took a little bit of a loss on yeah. this one. I think at the end of the day, yeah, but they they're hoping that the crossover works. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. You gonna see Kong versus Godzilla? Yeah, I mean, I'll see it at some point. I see everything at okay. some point, yeah, right? You do. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad question to ask you in general. Bad question That's to ask true. Me, <laughs> right. you tend to hold yeah, your grudges. Right. I do. You're certainly. more of a man of principle, I guess. Uh, uh no. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to give you a compliment. <laughs> Tigers are not afraid, and this was something that we uh, previewed a while yep. back. This is a Mexican horror movie from director Isa Lopez, and I'm really excited about her career going forward. This reminded me of The Devil's Backbone from Guillermo oh, wow. del Toro uh, and I, I think she's going to have a similar kind of career it's very innovative a lot of the scenes really work I must say I, I'm hoping that this does not become a trend where we kill young kids in movies oh, I mean Jesus. that was just yeah. so disturbing does it work within the story of course yes it does I mean she makes it work and it's a really just harrowing story about true times and how the cartels have just run amok in in Mexican urban areas out there and it's and it's just heart-wrenching heart-wrenching yeah, sure. stuff and it, that backdrop again this is what Guillermo del Toro has done his whole career have a true to life historical backdrop for a horror movie and you're wondering is like is this more of a movie about history or is it is it a horror movie they, they meld the two together and it really worked so good on Issa Lopez and we're looking forward to her next sounds like a straight out of the Del Toro playbook the way you describe it is this the one that had the trailer where Del Toro was speaking glowingly about it within the trailer yes the quotes okay yes well, he, right. he's done that a couple times he did it for Monos as well oh right right, right he's getting yeah. around yeah with his he's, praise well he's everyone's coming off he wants those branches from the Guillermo Del Toro filmmaking tree to 
succeed, I think. But I think it's cool because he's sponsoring, essentially, sure. and he's putting his absolutely. name behind all of these Mexican filmmakers, and it's a great thing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I do have one book review. All right. And this one made me really happy. This was written by Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey it fame. It is yours and also Mom's Week. That is for sure. Belgravia. This was an excellent story. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed every minute of this 17-hour audiobook. I, I think he's a masterful writer. And yes, Mike, he's great at resolutions. That's his bag. <laughs> That's his bag. It just This made me so damn happy. And they put he puts you through the ringer for a little longer. Like He does draw out the suspense much more in this book. I mean, he's going for suspense. Sure. Where certain characters know things, and the, or where the audience knows things, and the characters do not. That is suspense uh, to a T. He, he executes it. And I, it's a great book. Great it's nice job. to know that he has a penchant for suspense after having absolutely no need for it in the Downton Abbey movie whatsoever. Right. <laughs> maybe that's what he, maybe he was flexing those creative muscles, knowing that he needed to get back to it and prove to everyone that he has this within him still. He did exactly All that. Right. I'm Good. very proud of him. Mike, what, what did you watch this week? Uh, I only watched a couple things. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Between Two Ferns. I watched the movie Cyrus, Marissa mm. Tomei, Jonah Hill, uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. The awkward black comedy Very about awkward. him. Yeah, I, you know, it was enjoyable. Marissa Tomei has been the same looking woman. Yeah. For, I mean, this was like a, what, a 2012, 2011 movie? She looks the exact same in 2019. She looks the exact same in My Cousin Vinny from 92. She's been the exact same person going on 35 years now. I think Isabella Rossellini is really the person from Death Becomes Her, and she's really <laughs> giving out these blue crystal bottles right. to J-Lo and Brad Pitt. Right. And, J-Lo's yeah. another one. That's a great example. Marissa Something's Tomei. going yep. on in the Hollywood elite where these gorgeous people are like, staying gorgeous. Yeah, they just don't age. They just don't progress. But I don't know. I liked it. It was on one of the uh, movie channels. I just happened to catch it. And Were you flipping the channels when you caught it? I'll tell you what, Michael. I actually... Uh, Knew I wasn't going to stay up for this, so I recorded it and watched it afterwards is what I did. You are just literally 15 years, 15 years behind Marissa Tomei doesn't age from 1992, and I watch television like it's 1992. Do you still get Netflix yeah. DVDs in the mail? I don't know how that's anyone's business, but mine. I also watch, I want to give a shout out to the, the online, I think you've seen this, everyone has, the, the YouTube series First We Feast. Mm -hmm. It's hosted by Sean Evans. I want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, mm -hmm. One, I, they had Shia LaBeouf on. They always do a great job of bringing people in that are very of the moment. Obviously, Shia LaBeouf, Peanut Butter Falcon, Honey Boy coming up. He's yeah. very of the moment. Two, I guess it's three things because I can't count. Two, Sean Evans asks the greatest interview questions of any interview. They dive so deep in yes. their research. I'm always thoroughly impressed. But what I'm most impressed by, this is an internet talk show where they get celebrities to embarrass themselves eating hot wings. Mm -hmm. They have the greatest guest booker in the history of guest bookers. Ever. I don't know who they're attached to or what company they lines them up, but they always get relevant super duper stars to come in and embarrass themselves and subjugate themselves to these hard, like intensely research questions wanted to give a shout out I, I did a deep dive I didn't watch the LaBeouf one yet but I was on a deep dive of, of watching Shaq's Eric Andre's a couple other ones they always have great guests so that's why I spend a lot of my time free time watching the hot ones if you don't see it if you don't know it go check it out I imagine a lot of you do it's a very popular series on YouTube uh, it's great I love it and I want to just give them recognition I haven't seen all of them either, but I did see the one with Shaq, and he made Shaq cry. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable what they do on that show. 
Shaq was literally betting the guy at the end of that episode, like not to eat the last one, and right. he, like won somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and then they turned into a free throw competition. Yes, it's it's yes, beautiful. Yes. They really, really do their research. It's very well done. Wanted to give them a shout out, uh, and I'm sure they're wildly successful. The views they get, uh, my lord, if we can get like a thirteenth of their views whenever we 13th. start making videos, yeah, that's, a, that's a solid thirteenth. I'll take that. <laughs> Be happy with that. Uh, that's really all I have, Michael. But let's see by skip your choices as we usually do here. Is, uh, talking about, I guess you know. What do, what do I want to pick from here? Tigers are not afraid. Seems like it'd be a cheat code considering the other stuff you watch because that seems very highbrow and very right. mature and very yeah. arrowing. Let's go Godzilla between two firms and the roast of Alec Baldwin. See by skip those. Oh, I'm buying the roast of Alec Baldwin. I can watch a couple of those routines yeah. again and again. I, and I'm seeing between two firms again. Yeah. And I'm skipping Godzilla King of the Monsters yeah, again. Yeah, it's easily the worst. Yeah. Yeah, that was the worst C by skipping along. I know, it seemed easy. I'm so well, you know what can I say? Watch better things like no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Cyrus, first we feast and between two ferns for you. How about that? I loved between two ferns. Good. I really did love it. And it's exactly because we're talking about all the time. Expectations rule the day. It's expectation watching. That's what dictates your movie watching. If you have the right expectations for something like Between Two Firms, you will absolutely say it did everything you want it to do and more. Mm-hmm. And it's not an Oscars movie, so I think that's pretty apparent. But yeah. So I would absolutely buy between two firms. I would see uh, hot ones. I'm thoroughly impressed by them, but that's not to say that Cyrus isn't worth your time. It's just a tough choice between two high quality things, I think. So I'll skip Cyrus, but I I loved it. I love you, Marissa Tomei, if you're listening, (laughs) by the way. Uh, You're fascinating, and I'd love to have you show me that Fountain of Youth someday in like a couple of years, because I'm going to need it. I already look like I'm 57. Any youth, whether it's a fountain, (laughs) will take that in any form. And you did say between two firms, by the way, so you're thinking lawyer lawyer, talk. That would be the parody of the between two ferns? No, it's just it's Tom Cruise. It's the sequel to The Firm. It's when he's done the the water case. Is that a water case, Holly Hunter has her own firm in this one? Right, yeah. it's, It's her character from the big sick yeah it now is, is well, doing insurance work yeah. for the medical community because she's been inspired so in she's melding the two characters together from the firm <laughs> right the exactly gotcha. yes. <laughs> uh take that pitch hollywood let's I know i have to go along with your improv or i'm gonna get shouted down so there it is exactly right, yeah. do some audience interaction <laughs> stuff uh six degrees of mmo we had of course in celebration of all things downton abbey this week matthew good connecting him to carl weathers because of my own warped six degrees that was a hell of a from connection Sylvester Stallone last week so matthew good to carl weathers michael what do we have Efficiency Awards. The first one goes to Swamp Thing at Wojcik. Why yes. sure? Carl Weathers was in Little Nicky with Reese Ifans. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Could be a fake person. Who was in Official Secrets with Matthew Good? Yeah, and, and boom. Wojcik had a couple entries this week, as he usually does. Yes. Shout out to him as always. He Jack. wrote a novel too, by the way, which was very good. Yeah, he did. We had a couple novels. Couple this week. novels. People are taking the absurdity of this. Well, there's we're picking them to win. We so are. Yeah, we're encouraging novels. Now we we have one, time for one novel, kind of a week. So. <laughs> right. Right, and I give a shout out at the end of this to what I think was the longest of the week. We just, I didn't want to, it would take 15 minutes to read it, honestly, on air. And I want to give them a shout out and let we them know. We read them and we yeah, laugh we at we them and people, certainly do. a lot of people like them. Jack Mayer at jmay 658 great handle there. Carl Weathers was in Rocky with Sylvester Stallone. Stallone was in the MCU with Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbizzle was in the Imitation Game <laughs> with Matthew Good. And he included also a great Rambo gif as well, One celebrating Last Blood. One of the best. Uh, recasted podcast at recasted podcast top of my head weathers to sandler and happy gilmore to spade and grown-ups to pivot and pcu to good in chasing liberty and he wrote this out in basically like 12 words he abbreviated everything yeah. 
And that's why I think it's efficient, because it's efficient on space. Fewest characters of all these efficiency awards. Didn't even use initials? Like, no A, Sandler? <laughs> no initials Sandler, either. Gilmore. Yeah. No Happy. Bing, bang, boom. Gilmore Happy. <laughs> uh, the Breaking Bad, in both reference and the fact that he may have us killed because we've angered him award, goes to Simon <laughs> the Depressed Moviegoer at Depressed Movie. Look, Simon gave us a big one last week. He was very proud of it. I was impressed by it. We yeah. didn't get a chance to mention it, and he was not happy with our decision to That's omit right. it. He, he thought he got... Snub. He did, and he, did. he says as much right out the yes, gate here. Did. After last week's snub, in all caps, <laughs> Matthew Good played Osmandius. Yeah. You can tell I'm familiar with the Watchmen property. In Watchmen, Osmandius was in an episode of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, Saul Goodman was played by Bob Odenkirk, who made Mr. Show with David Cross, who took acting and stewing lessons from Carl Weathers in Arrested <laughs> Development. That's right. Baby, you got yourself a stew going. Yeah. <laughs> the Invasion of the Remake About Something Award. Where <laughs> a, podca meldings yeah, here, yeah. a podcast about something at APA something. They should go on Invasion of the Remake if they haven't yet, because they'll be friends. Just based off this entry based alone. This, right. So they, they said, sorry to all my fans, but eschewed the Fast and Furious franchise to go with a fresh take featuring remakes, TVs, into movies, and adaptations here. Carl Weathers was in an episode of Startsky and Hutch, which was made into a movie starring Ben Stiller, who was in an episode of Miami Vice. I did not know that. Miami Vice was made into a movie featuring Ciaran Hines, yes it was, mm -hmm. who was on Excalibur 1981, which was retold as King Arthur Legend of the Sword featuring Jude Law, who also plays young Dumbledore, he called him Yungledore. <laughs> In, I didn't know what that meant. In Great the uh, in the Fantastic Beasts movies, you just thought Yungledore was the name. It was the goofy I thought it was name. a well, Knight of the Round Table. That's what I honestly thought because he was just coming off of the back of the King Arthur movie. Right. I was right. like, oh, Yungledore must be a knight. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Uh, we've already had that giggle. <laughs> Hanging at your sure. local deli. Uh, that was an expansion of the Wizarding World in the Harry Potter series, Michael. It was. Which features Maggie Smith, who is <laughs> in Downton Abbey, which is being made into a movie in 2019 that we all know about now featuring Matthew Good. That's good marketing right there. <laughs> the Henry Cavill Mustache Award goes to our friend Colby Mack, who we have had signs of life from after the Hustlers debut yes. and after he saw it. So good Very to funny. know that he's still alive. At Colby told me Matthew Good, Therese Ifans Ifans, I know I mispronounced that, in the upcoming The Kingsman prequel, Reese Ifan to Keanu Reeves in one of the greatest sports movies of all time, The Replacements. Yes. Keanu <laughs> voiced standout Duke Kaboom of Alongside Combat Carl, voiced by top five movie mustache Carl Weathers. Very funny. Great job there, Colby, as always. And and go to ColbyToldMe.com. He puts up a lot of movie reviews. And yes. I loved how... I'm sorry, Colby. I forget if it was the Downton Abbey or the Hustlers review, but his wife gave him a look, and he added a point. It was Downton Abbey. It was Downton Abbey. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was busting his chops over over the grade he gave it. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay, the Small Soldiers Award. This is... Slash co-winner. This might be the most impressive entry we've ever had. He did two of, two of yeah. these. So Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop. He did a full one with Dolph Lundgren being forgotten about. Right. <laughs> so Dolph Lundgren was not in this picture of all these action figures. 
So he makes it easier with this enhanced version of the action figure six degrees here. He says Matthew Good played Ozymandias. In, Is that how you say that? I don't know, All maybe. Right. In Watchmen with Patrick Wilson, who played King Orm in Aquaman. With Dolph Lundgren, who played Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. With Carl Weathers. And here are the figures. And then this was, again, one of two responses where he sent us like a collage of all the action figures. Like he not only dug up their movie roles, but he dug up the action figures that were licensed alongside with the characters these actors were portraying and lined them all up for us within this response. My action figure collecting heart. Because oh, I, 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 did cool. you collect any when you were yes, kids? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, of course I, I Ninja did. Turtles, WWE figures, He Man. I was in all of those. And oh, I was just oh, like, oh my God, yes. Thank you, Dark. I collected them way too old. So Did I you? Say, yeah. I, I, and if I had extra money, I would collect them. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So yes, that is it. One co-winner award, but we were so thoroughly impressed that we have to have two co-winners yeah, this week. We do. Uh, and it falls under somebody just placating to our egos. The we're so full of ourselves that we, of course, have to pick this award. I can't read this, Michael. It's too small print, okay. so if you wouldn't mind. Matthew Good is in Downton Abbey with Maggie Smith, who was featured in the previous round of Six <laughs> Degrees of MMO, where she had to be linked to Jennifer Lopez. Waxing poetic about Six Degrees of MMO is bonus points every time. So now, Jennifer Lopez was not in a movie with Maggie Smith that we know of, but they were together in a Six Degrees of MMO. So meta. So real life, so obscure, yes. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez was in Anaconda with John Voight, who is in The Rainmaker, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who also directed The Outsiders, starring Ralph Macchio, who is in The Karate Kid, directed directed by John G. Avildsen, who directed Rocky, which co-starred Carl Weathers. Love it. If I were to ask you for $50... Yeah. Who's the director of the Karate Kid? Would you have known it? No, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would ask you for fifty dollars. Name a fourth member of the cast of Anaconda, because what? now you have you know your three. Okay, so we have who's the fourth? So you have LL Cool J, right? Okay, LL Cool J, Jennifer Lopez, and John Voight. Ice T, uh, Ice T, Owen in Wilson was oh in. Uh, see, here's the problem. That movie amongst my group of friends growing up. <laughs> We used to mimic John Voight's accent all the time. It's always good to be prepared. He has an accent in that movie that is not natural, nor from no, a country. It's from no country. <laughs> it is him trying to do Brando yeah. in the jungle. Is that what it is? It has I to hope be. it is. It has to be him trying to do Brando in the jungle. <laughs> it's been a long time since I had a woman. Obscure. Ob uh, ridiculous, it's but yes. It's like D's accents in Sunny. <laughs> it's Sunny Philadelphia. It's the same thing. Yes, it absolutely is. I don't even think we said, at Nolan Roberts, 17, he was the one who had this entry. So those are the co-winners this week. He's winning a bunch of Yeah, he's done very well from Zark. Dark Nook as well. Dark Nook and Nolan Roberts, you are the new winners of all things Six Degrees of MMO bragging rights. I needed to give an honorable mention to at the end of this, like I said I would. Oliver Hetherington Page, at a twist of Oliver, who has been a frequent flyer here as well. Last week, he lost his mind once again. And wrote practically a book. This week, he wrote an even longer book. And his submission spanned like six tweets. It touched on debuts, books, 
Broadway plays, <laughs> jumping on Oprah's couch, Adina Menzel being AKA Adele Dazeem. Yeah. So instead of taking the time to recite all this, because honestly, reciting it would take like five minutes. It's right. that long and that intricate. Right. I just want to point you we out. We would rather pontificate about Anaconda <laughs> for five minutes. Sorry, <laughs> Oliver. We have to pick our spots here. Priorities <laughs> being what they are. Uh, if you go to our Six Degrees booster that also Mike put out on our Twitter account last Friday, go check out Oliver Hetherington's page entry. It's a good way to kill 10 to 15 minutes and it'll get you laughing as it did for us but as it comes to winners nolan roberts 17 and dark nook you are the winners you get all the things six degrees bragging race you're sitting on the new six degrees throne which we will have to start uh re-describing in detail i think we have it's been a couple weeks so we might have to uh, uh, will you embrace the improvisation with me that's what i wonder so let's move on (laughs) yes yes i will try i will do my best then it could be fun. All right. I was going to not even know if you had something, but all right. We'll start that up. We'll start that up. Well, we are. All right. So what do we have? What are we starting with? We're starting with basically a man cave, you know, leather couch. Yes. Yes. So that's what we're starting That's with. That's step one. That's the that's first the throne. Point. Yes. Yes. And, and how does improv work again? And, I don't know. And then, right? Don't you say and then? Yes, then. Yes, yes, then. then. Yes, yes then. we got a couch. Yes, we got a couch. And we yes, got two and, men in the basement. <laughs> They're usually sad. This is an improv. <laughs> this is a documentary. Well, you're not giving me a lot to work with here. I, thought, <laughs> I gave you the starting point. You gotta add something. Uh, I have nothing right now. All right, so we still got a couch in the basement. That's what we have. But it's a it's a beautiful couch. It's a great couch. <laughs> All right, I didn't expect you to go true to life there, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going for it. I'm trying to hone my. We my are the jesters muscles. for the throne of yeah. six degrees of MMO. Okay, so we're certainly. the jesters, yes, and we're right. wearing those crown. You know the fluffy hats with the bells on the end of them. Oh, that's my what God. We, we wear. We have to wear them. Yeah. We won't look good in those. Our we have round. We face wear clothes and don't look good in those. Yeah, so true. yeah, that's, true. that's where we're at. So right now. two very unattractive <laughs> jesters will hop around the room and just be buffoons while you sit in this beautiful leather exactly. chair. Exactly. And as the weeks go on, we'll add things to the beautiful leather chair and maybe <laughs> our wardrobe there's no chance anybody is still listening to this by the way no, so that's all the no better chance. let's move on uh for those that are listening let's talk about a challenge for them next week so we're gonna go with judy garland because judy Makes begins sense. its uh limited release schedule and it'll platform from there I can't it's getting so much momentum too already yeah. as someone who was sure it would flop i'm angry about that but i'm happy for renee zellweger renee zellweger's interview with scott feinberg again you know he's just been aces lately i've loved every single interview and oh my god he's crushing it and he's getting her to open up about like houston texas and university of texas and stuff that's like the most fascinating stuff where she's there with matthew mcconaughey oh my goodness it's great i would love to see scott feinberg and sean evans from hot ones going an interview off with the same subject and just see who gets deeper (laughs) well what would we got to figure out what could make evans uncomfortable because they can't just go from spicy food spicy food we have to do some Background digging is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, we got to help yeah, Scott yeah. out. We got to be right. in Scott's corner on this one. Of course. Scott of course. needs some help. Yeah. I have no idea if Scott likes spicy food or not. I That's no what I was going to say. Maybe we have to start shipping him hot sauces to prepare him. <laughs> and we'll just better. spike his food when we, when we actually hang out. We'll just spike his food and we'll see what happens. No, I'm sure I'm sure after the last 15 minutes he's dying to hear hang out with us. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Judy. Judy Garland. We're starting with Judy Garland, yes. Michael. And... Because Abominable comes out, I think of Yeti movies. I was curious as to how you got here, so go ahead. So Abominable comes out, and that is going to be a Yeti movie about being in the mountains with a little kid. All this sounds worse than it really yeah, is, but it's, it's a beautiful animated How do children film. movies get greenlit? <laughs> 
they, they all sound gross. They don't look good on the page. No, they really don't. Or, I guess you're selling to a bunch of creeps. It's a child's film. bedroom, okay? And all his belongings come to life and have animated features. <laughs> There's this giant paternal metaphor of a Yeti, right? And the Yeti's magic... <laughs> it convinces the child to run away from their parents. Everything is just a repressed childhood memory. The kid doesn't need the parents. The pa- the kid should listen to the Yeti. Right, right. It's Daddy Yeti is what we're saying here. Much safer version of this story is when John Lithgow is won over by the Yeti, correct? I like it. Harry and the Henderson. Natural. So I'm going from Judy Garland, the star, to Harry Henderson, the character. I... Bet <laughs> there's some way someone can link these in less links than we think it would take possible. I with guess. the hot streak the listeners have been on lately with the efficiency stuff, I'm curious to see how few links this could be done in. Good. Yeah, Don Amici might have been in like 15 Judy Garland movies. He was the lion in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> so do we want to add like a degree of difficulty maybe? They got to go through what? Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> Yeah, we added a degree of difficulty because of our laziness. (laughs) So we we take it out on you. It might be the most difficult six degrees ever. (laughs) Now you got to go through Jennifer Lopez. So we go from Judy Garland to Jennifer Lopez to Harry Henderson. That's right. That's right. Take that. Put that in your pipe. Uh, That is your challenge for this week, Six Degrees of MMO. We obviously would love to see those entries as you guys have been doing an awesome job lately. So be sure to turn those in either to Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, or MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine. We move on to a box office update. And surprise, Downton Abbey did really well at the box office. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You're not. You're not. Down Abbey was number one. It made $31 million. It had $12 million last weekend overseas. That has buoyed up to $30 million in the international market. So it's Cume right now $61.8 million. There's going to be a Down Abbey too, Mike. I, yeah, there is. I mean, that's crushing it type of numbers for a Downton Abbey movie, especially when you consider, I don't remember, it was, that, it was some, one of the articles, one of the, the rags, uh, Said last week, and that's where I got the number from, and I should have cited it at the time so I don't sound like an idiot that's just yammering on making <laughs> stuff up. But one of the articles had this projected at a 15 to $60 million domestic opening, and that's the number I cited when we did our OSP, and this doubled that. I mean, yeah. you doubled the projection as of just a few weeks ago. That's huge news, according to me. I'm questioning now, is box office project just being a weatherman? Being like, oh, well, see, what happened was this blizzard of geriatrics hit the theaters and that we didn't account for that. And so that's why there's 18 feet of snow and $18 million in Downton Abbey's. I do think they have a good beat on, like, people that go to the movies all the time. So if it's a movie that caters to that group, yeah. like, like teenagers. Right. Like, they're going to probably be closer on that. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think when, when a whole swath of people that don't usually go to the movies make an event of it right. and wear their tiaras. And wear their jewelry. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> uh, great job by Downton Abbey. It's also the Makes History as Focus Features largest box office opening ever. So, congrats to that studio as well. Uh, we have a tight race for two and three. Three... I don't remember the last time this happened, but three new releases all led the box office this week. That's awesome. Ad Astra, 19.2 million. Rambo Last Blood, 19 million. Uh, so a close race there. Ad Astra, not quite cracking that $20 million mark like the high ends of its projections said it might do. And everybody's saying it's going to be a money loser, but I'm not. 
quite so sure because the international box office was 26 million in the same weekend. So a 45.2 million dollar take in your in your opening three days is that can't be terrible, right? Depends on. I haven't seen a final number for budget, but right. I know there were, you know we know there were reshoots, we know there were production problems. So it matters yeah. how much all of that raised up what actually went into the movie. So we'll see. You're right though. 50 million out of the gate, or about 50 million total, was not. Anything to sneeze at, certainly. Nothing to sneeze at. It Chapter 2 came in 4th with 17.2, and Hustlers with 17 in 5th. It Chapter 2 is now up to 358 worldwide, and Hustlers, after its first week, is up to 72.3 million, Mike, on a $20 million budget. So that's big news for Hustlers. That made money almost immediately that when the weekend it came out, so that's not really surprising any of us. It Chapter 1 made all its record-breaking box office money on a $35 million budget. There's reports, according to business, the likes of Business Insider, I should say, that It Chapter 2's budget was also $35 million. And if that's the case, you know, say what you want about the quality of the film. Say what you want about the numbers and how it didn't open at the same pace as It Chapter 1 did, but overall, huge win, and it's putting up this kind of numbers. $180 million domestically alone already. Yeah. Uh, it's going to turn into basically a billion dollar, billion and a half dollar franchise by just these two films. And Hustlers is going to skyrocket past $100 million yeah. this next week and a half as yeah. well. Yeah, like we commented uh, on last week. I, I do think it's cool to watch 13 films at the domestic box office make over a million, and basically five films make over $17 million. Every Think from five all the way to 13th place is like two or one million, mm-hmm. so it's a little less. But Six to 13th place, sorry. Right, There's a lot of films are making money. Yeah, good to see. And Box Office Mojo said that this weekend is up over 42 percent uh, from this weekend last year. So certainly a, a large increase there as far as the top 12 goes. I guess 33 percent increase overall for the total box office. So certainly a step up at the end of September for good. the box office in general. That's good news for the movie going experience. Plus, I think you answered your own question from the beginning. I think prognosticators are probably factoring in last year's box office and looking at the you know the movies that were available. All this has told me is I myself am now a box office prognosticator because I can be as wrong as I want. You were you were right with Hustlers. You're dead nuts right. 33, you picked it. Damn right. And then you're half right. Do I ride off into the sunset? Do I finish my career batting a thousand? We'll see. Now listen, if, I, if you let me speak last week when I was, well, I shouldn't put that on you because I wanted to speak out on Downton Abbey making big bucks. You did say but, it would do you, incredibly well. I That's said it true. would do much more than yeah. what they were predicting. You did. You did. Credit to you. Credit to us, we're better than everybody. Even a blind squirrel (laughs) finds a nut. Let's go into some trailer thoughts. (laughs) Trailer thoughts! Got a couple trailers that debuted this week. Some big movies and some of the lesser ones. We got our first look at the rhythm section, Michael. The premise, we take the costume changes of Red Sparrow with the wigs Nicole Kidman wore in Destroyer, and we have Blake Lively play Atomic Brunette. Okay, so before you read the plot synopsis, whenever you read it mm-hmm. about this movie, yeah. if you had 10 guesses, would you have figured this was a vigilante spy action Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> when you heard that it was going to have Oscar potential, you know, yeah, would you right. figured this was a spy movie, vigilante, whatever, revenge thriller. Absolutely not. You're out, yeah, and I, I saw your, your notes saying you were surprised by this. When we did the premise, both of us were like, we sure this is the Blake Lively movie we're talking about? This premise just fell out of my head. Yeah. Like, there's only so much room for a movie trip. Like, I would suck on the I get it, man. 
I get because why would you, you would never figure like no. this makes so little sense for a Blake Lively movie that I think we both suppressed it and we're like that was just a fever dream. We must have had a we must have the been rhythm chills. section. The right. rhythm section. I she guess should it's be drumming. Show up. I mean, you might as well just name the movie Paradox something. <laughs> you know, the Paradox Woman. The Cloverfield Rhythm Section. The Wig Paradox. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the trailer overall? Because this had some looks. Okay. I think Blake Lively's performance is phenomenal. I mean, yes, we're basically getting the plot of Peppermint slash from the comic books, The Punisher, with a mixture of Red Sparrow. There's a bit of a honeypot thing going on Mm -hmm. with her on purpose. And then you got Sterling K. Brown and Jude Law. You got some serious, you know, Oscar potential going in. And that's why I think all of the quote-unquote Oscar prognosticators were putting this in the mix, right? This was in the mix of the Oscar hopefuls, sure. and now it is yet another that falls by the wayside that has been bumped to crap month, mm-hmm. end of January. I'm a little sad about that because I do like Blake Lively's performance. Is she trying to pull off an English accent? Is that what I heard? I don't think so. No? Did no. My, ears, my ears were just not working no, just correctly? Being, hurt being tired. Fair enough. All right. I thought she might have been pulling off an unnecessary English Well, with accent. the wigs, you never know. Right. Yeah, that's what I was... Maybe she's trying to, to be part spy there, and that's part of her get-up. That but could be. I'm actually glad they moved this one, because I think if I were to see this... <clears throat> Hearing that it was an Oscars hopeful, and based on what I saw, I would kind of have reservations about whether or not this could live up to that hype, and whether or not it would be a bigger disappointment. I think by moving it to a non-Oscars-related debut Could be wise. Right. I think they're lowering the expectations there, and this has the ability now, it could take us by surprise, as opposed to being something that would maybe be a disappointment. I'll be honest with you. I watched this trailer a couple of times when I thought I was putting it in Oscar Race Checkpoint, and then I went to the movies and saw it at Astra, and it was in front of that, and I loved watching this trailer. So I'm like kind of bullish on this movie. If it gets scores that are anywhere close or if I we get a screener of it by yeah. at that point, I'm I'm gonna be geared up to watch it. Sure. I, I will be. And I'm I'm more again, by moving the date, I'm more willing now to just sit back and watch Blake Lively ass kicking action spy than I am to worry about can Blake Lively live up to the you know, is the box office gonna be an Oscars box office? Can Blake Lively live up to the expectations? There's all yeah. those fears are now gone. I think this is or at least for me, this is a rare occurrence where putting it in January I think is going to help it. In well, my think eyes. about it. You got Star Wars that's going to make money for a couple weeks at sure. the end of December. You got 1917 Little Women sure. that are going to be making money there for the first few weeks of January, plus a couple of. I mean, Christmas box office is going to go for like that two week window Absolutely. there. Then you're going to have like this opening where with a few new releases can do some damage. At the end of January, that would be something new. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's. I think we're both saying at least in one way or another, we think it's a wise move. The Secret Garden is next. Premise: Go to Hogwarts and replace all the magic with plants there's a lot of plants here <laughs> these are some pretty plants though i agree as i get older i have more of appreciation for a pretty plant your green thumb is starting to grow and I wrap guess itself around that happens that's maybe, just fungus <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll be carson someday in the best <laughs> I three-piece suit i'm gonna be gardening. so happy when these weeks are over <laughs> but look at that cinematography and the vfx I, some of it, it melds really well. Some of it, I'm less impressed by in terms of the VFX. But really gorgeous uh, cinematography overall. The camera's moving really well. I was very impressed. So I co-sign everything you say. And I think it is gorgeous and it is impressive. Um, my only concern with all this and seeing mm-hmm. this trailer, the biggest money shots were deliberately quick cuts. Right, of like the biggest foliage we had, those were quick. They weren't. But that's going to be a long reveal curtain. Uh, you would movie. think you right, and that's so like in a movie like this where that's the focus and so heavily the focus. You would think there's enough of those money shots in the movie 
where you can put one of them in the trailer to wow you. So in my cynical brain, I'm thinking, are they just not that impressive on the long runs? And so yeah. they want to kind of deceive us and have them be quick cuts and one-offs. And that's just my cynical brain going off because you're right. There's no reason to not be impressed by what we did see in this trailer otherwise. We have Colin Firth playing a grumpy bad guy again in a kid's movie. We do. He's becoming a, you know, a thing. As you know, after Mary Poppins returns, which I'm surprised about because he's, he was—he's getting very adept at the scowling at children. And Julie role. Julie Walters is scary as the mean old lady here. She was—I was impressed with her. But I read this book back in grammar school, Mike. I have no recollection of it whatsoever. I do remember the chorus from Bruce Springsteen's song stuck in my head uh, for whatever that's worth. That's worth a lot because we're going to get to another movie where, <laughs> where music that has nothing to do with the plot of the movie comes into play. So I'm glad you brought that up. That means something to me. We're copacetic as far as our thinking okay. about these. Good. Countdown is the next trailer and the premise. We have Final Destination, but it's from the App Store. It's kind of scary, <laughs> but there's like a one missed call quality exactly to this. exactly what this is. <laughs> and I'm wondering if it'll be so bad that it's parodied in Forgetting Sarah Marshall 2, colon Sarah Who, or... <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't go in for movies like this. I never do. I'm going to be 100% serious. This is exactly how this went when I first time I saw this trailer. This right. is a thousand percent truthful thought process. <laughs> I saw this trailer at the beginning of Hustlers, okay? Mm -hmm. And I thought, sure, this was a PSA for vaping. That's where this was going. <laughs> I'm not joking. I thought that's exactly what this was. It's one of those truth campaign commercials that was going to target vaping okay. or cigarettes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I land on this trailer. High production values, though, Mike. I mean, usually <laughs> horror movies, they don't look, they don't have this feel to them. Right, right. <laughs> so I think there is something to this. Like the horror movie in the technological age, we're trying it with these screen time genres like we had with Searching, which had some success with it. We had, uh, uh, what's the other, Unfriended, had some success with some scares. So now we're trying to attack the app store in that way. I don't think this is the movie that's going to successfully do it. Uh, look, I, I, I'm, you can buy me for very little money, by the way, right. but I don't know if you could pay me enough money to watch this movie. But you could pay me, like if you paid me money, I'd watch this movie, but <laughs> let's just see, see how quickly I'm bought. Yeah, you're, if you paid me money, really I'd watch this movie. If not, I'm not watching this movie. Nobody sits on a fence like also Mike in the tall grass a Netflix horror film it looked creepy as shit I had no clue what it's about so I turned to IMDB for the premise and it goes like this after hearing a young boy's cry for help a sister and brother venture into a vast field of tall grass do you get it in Kansas but soon discover there may be no way out and that something evil lurks within yeah this is also a little scary I guess in a hypothetical sort of way Stephen King's parody from Family Guy with that lamp. I mean, that's the next, that's the last thing. That's where thing we're going. That's going to get sold, right? I mean, his parodies are going to get get sold because yeah. his short stories, novellas, everything. I mean, Jesus, his grandchildren are so set for life that fast forward a generation, Knives Out is going to play out in the King family. <laughs> That's happening. You just said how you would sell out to watch any movie if offered any amount of money. That's basically the Stephen King business plan right now. And God bless him. I mean, he's in, a yeah, he's in a condition to do it. He's worked himself to that heights. I mean, think about we it. We all would do it if we could. We all would do it if we could. And he's got, you know, his stories standing on their own. Right. With the fact that he puts him on, on the page he first. Gets his, yeah, he gets his own credit towards his adaptions. And then he sells off the licenses to be adapted by these great filmmakers. Are you have intrigue for Tallgrass here? Is it something you want to see? Does it speak to you at all as a horror fan? The thing is, it's going to be right in front of my face on Netflix, right. so I might click on it. I don't 
know, though, because horror movies on Netflix, I kind of I don't really go at them as, as often. They are exactly what you expect them to right. be. Like, like, they've had this history of the last few years of putting out a Netflix original, which is a horror movie, which is perfectly, like, it, it ta- it's like eating lunch. Right? Like, you gotta do it, and sometimes it tastes a little better than you expect, but it is what it is most times. But then again, the perfection has been on both of our Netflix feeds for how long, Mike? And yeah, but we've did not you, watched Did you watch it. Gerald's Game? Yes. Did you watch 1922? Yes. Did you watch The Babysitter? No. You should watch The Babysitter. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, yeah, all fun, all creepy. I expect it to land at, like, between a 6 and 7 on IMDb. It's exactly like all these other movies, but mm. I will watch it. You're right, though. We haven't watched The Perfection. That's odd. It's weird. I think it's kind of gross because there's cutting off arms. Oh, we just don't want Allison Williams to be any other character other than the Get Out. I don't girl. want to typecast her either. That's yeah. why we're not doing it because we don't want to typecast her. We like her. You, see, you took the noble approach. I was saying I only I want her to be to you that character. When you say overly negative things, <laughs> and I try to speak for us over the top of you. Sometimes. She should have been nominated for supporting actress for that role. That was great. I love that love main scene in that movie. In the Shadow of the Moon, another Netflix original. The premise: Take, don't let go you know that new blumhouse movie where we know the uncle did it but instead of victim turn the niece into a serial killer who keeps popping up every nine years and also let's bring back dexter to go to some crime scenes and deal with blood now darn it mike i watch these movies even when they're bad i'll see like a 30 percent but if you got a serial killer hunter movie because you just need to know what the motive is at the end with a sci-fi memento angle and you've got cool detectives like boyd holbrook like he's been cool now for a while Mm -hmm. Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even wanted to watch The Predator with him, you know, yeah. the new version of sure. that. And then you got Michael C. Hall is going to play a great dick congressman, police chief, whatever he's playing. He's either dead or involved, right? Oh, yeah. yeah he can't be a good guy in this. If there's a sci-fi angle, like, he's involved. Right. I, I'm glad we agree on that. <laughs> so, But again, it's going to be right in front of us on Netflix. How are we not going to watch this? Yeah, I'm a sucker for these Both types, of these. too. Like, I just need to know what the writers come up with for the twisted motivation of these, like, can't-be-killed serial killers. Mm-hmm. Like, what makes you tick? 90% of the time, it's disappointing, but I don't care. I'll rationalize it in my head. As, and, That's genius. And apparently, <laughs> this girl who's the serial killer, she's going, like, backwards in time. Yeah. And everybody else is going forwards. Is she Benjamin Button? And then you just catch her when she's an infant at the end. And they they just don't have the temptation song. They're playing slowly there. That's all. That's the difference between this and Don't Go or Don't Look Now or Don't Go Away. Whatever that movie was that Don't Let Go is what I'm looking for here. Stop scrambling. I watch all of these. I watch this one too. Mike, Radioactive. This is releasing in 2020, starring Rosamund Pike and Anya Taylor Joy about scientist Mary Curie. Some of the VFX is good. Some of the VFX is not good. Okay, this is an Amazon movie. I don't care about this movie. Here's what I care about. Okay. (laughs) You cannot title a film Radioactive after any point in 2012 and not have that Imagine Dragons song in the trailer, right? That song was everywhere. Radioactive! I don't even like it. No. But if you call it... Like, this is like calling... Calling that Bradley Cooper, who was an author movie where he steals mm-hmm. another author's work, that's like calling that movie Blurred Lines and not having Blurred Lines in the trailer. You can't do it. There's a reason that movie wasn't called Blurred Lines. Call this movie anything else. Or pay for the rights for the Imagine Dragon song and put it in the trailer. So you love 1980s movies. <laughs> yes, I do. Because they all have the name right. of the movie in their theme songs. I'm Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> yes, that Family Guy joke again. 
Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. You could have named this movie anything. You could have named it Rosamund Pike's Big Day Off. Right? Like, don't name it radioactive and then insult my intelligence by not ponying up the fee for the Imagine Dragons song. We're the space boys. <laughs> Roll cacao. You love the eighties. Yes, you I grew do. Up in the eighties, you're a weirdo, and yet you demand subtext as an Oscar critic, which you want on the nose. Right. Title, plot in the song of the movie, in the marketing, and in the film. I'm not going to lie to you, Mike. I weave a rough tightrope to walk. <laughs> that is brutal. That is brutal. You would be an impossible suit to please if you were in charge of these movie companies, and you're always saying you should be in charge of these movies. Company. Just give me what I never knew I wanted and give it to me now. <laughs> Rosamund Pike has been terrific in pretty much everything of late, and yet I'm still not interested in this. It seems like a total guilt trip, this whole movie. Maybe the money shot at the end will be her singing Radioactive, and it'll be a big reward for people oh, like God. me who only need that out of this movie. I would laugh at that in a meta way, even though it's the opposite <laughs> of being meta. I had, I, I cannot tell you. I, I saw this trailer last night. I watched it. I don't remember a single thing about it. <laughs> It's an honest take. It's an honest take. Nothing from this marketing pitch stood out to me. I was fixated yes. on the song I remember, right. but don't really like. It's a Jeff Bezos movie. We know he's got the money for Imagine Dragons. It could be called Imagine Bezos yeah. after he buys them. Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. I'm just saying. I do strange. care about that. We'll talk about some other stories we may not care about now. Right. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take out the news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start off every Do You Care segment every week is we take the releases that are coming to theaters this week and I ask also Mike here, dear sweet, innocent also Mike, if he cares about them and why. We have Abominable. You already passed comment on that. That's opening nationwide this week. We also have Judy opening limited. We don't care about either of those, right? I do care about both of them, what? despite throwing shade at Abominable. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to throw shade at Abominable because it looked gorgeous. We reviewed the yeah, trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Loved it. It's been a relatively negative episode overall, though, You're I would right say. right about the plots on paper, though. It's bad, right? It's, it's, it's bad. They're all, like, borderline creepy as shit. Borderline creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a children's movie right now. Okja. Same thing, right? I mean, that's, come on. This this uh, homeless girl and her imaginary <laughs> giant pig is going to be stalked by Tilda Swinton twins? Come on. All right, fine. Um, I, I mean, look, let's go stick with the monsters. Monsters, Inc. He <laughs> did that little girl. That's boy. nighttime predators. That's all that is. Terrifying. <laughs> go away with them? Yeah. Uh, and you're right. There's no good way to pitch a children's movie and sleep at night. Even Pixar is like, what do these guys look like <laughs> coming up with these plots? If they all have fucking, you know, giant, thick eye goggle glasses. Right. Oh, well, skeletons in the closet oh, at Jesus. some point. Yeah. And well, that's been true for Pixar, unfortunately, as well. We've. Go back to and listen to our Pixar rewatch series to hear Another that. Another joyous <laughs> reason to go back and listen to our old hear stuff all today. that gem. Uh, yeah, but we are looking forward, all jokes aside, to a bundle. We yes. think it could have something to say for the animated feature category. And everybody's calling Renee Zellweger the front runner yeah. and best actress. So of course we're seeing that as soon as humanly possible. Mike Seinfeld is moving from Hulu to Netflix in 2021 for a whopping number of 500. 
plus million dollars. Yeah. Now, we passed comments about this in our most recent Oscar race checkpoint, but this is now confirmed. 500 million is the reported number that Seinfeld is moving to Netflix for. There's a bigger story here, though, that Washington Post's Stephen Zeitschick mm -hmm. hit on a couple days ago in an article. It was really fascinating. These streaming services, while they have data and this and that, he posits that essentially they're guesstimating on the value of all these syndication properties. Oh, you and, think? And he, well, he's saying like there's no real knowledge, no statistics, at least not available to the public, mm -hmm. as to what these companies are basing these numbers off of. They're basically just throwing an offer at these studios and hoping it pays dividends down the line because there's no apples-to-apples -apples comparison as to what works in the streaming world and what you can attribute that to replacing the advertising dollars of in the cable world. And, and it's yet, really a fascinating article. And yet they know, based on their statistics, Netflix... Right. Because they know everybody watched Friends on there, everybody watched The Office on there. They so know that. that brings up the question now, if Netflix knows what they're doing, if they know the value of all these things and it's a precise scientific thing like, it, like that, they have that algorithm figured out and they're not releasing it to the public... Mm. Are we just, is this just going to be a secret forever that nobody in the television industry is going to know what the correct financial solution is to ever compete with Netflix and Amazon has their own? Are they the same thing? Are they just throwing things against the wall? Is everyone that works in the hierarchy right now, the upper levels of Netflix management, are they the future curators of all things television and movies going forward? And there's a lot of fallout about this if this information isn't publicly available. Mike, we're in the wrong business. That's all I know. We should be writing one sitcom pilot after. <laughs> the next and going for broke on that regard a big bang theory i think got a billion dollars i saw like what these numbers i hate the big bang theory by the way i'm not a huge fan i mean it's okay i could go what on. is modern family gonna get yeah I, I mean that's where we're going now so all these network sitcom and dramas that do make levels of syndication would they even bother listening to nbc's offer or listening to cbs's offer to be huh. like that midday programming so now what's going to happen with cable now are we just going to get more daytime tv talk shows to fill in those hours whereas we used to get the seinfeld frazier simpsons reruns during yeah. the day you know really we talk about netflix in the movies all the time because obviously they're going to have equally if not greater impact on tv going forward and that's before you even start talking about what's going on between the wga and the ata and that whole dispute with the unions sure. a lot of things up in the air right now as far as the future of entertainment goes i will say once again though that was steven zeitchik go seek out that article in the washington post brings up a lot of fascinating questions yes uh, and you should intriguing. care about them i certainly do mike the king killer chronicle tv show this is a sentence I have never said before. It's not <laughs> happening at Showtime. It's searching for a new home right now. What is the King Killer Chronicles? So it's one of the most popular new fantasy novel series, or tomes, really. They're huge. They're okay. like 1,500 pages each. Are we talking like Game of Thrones level type It's like novels? that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Except it's about one character. It's a single protagonist, essentially, moving through those 1,200 pages or whatever it is. Okay. Beautifully written by Pat Patrick Rothfuss. He's coming out with his third book in August of 2020. And look, man, if George R. R. Martin takes his sweet time, you know, Rothfuss moves at a glacial pace. <laughs> so <laughs> these came out a long time ago? For like 600 pages, he talks about things coming. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Come. And I, I really like the, uh, the novels again. I think that they're really fun. There's like a dragon thing going on. He's basically, this guy was in college for like 
14 years, he would not leave the University of Wisconsin campus. I can't even get mad at that because knowing Isn't what I know brilliant? now about growing up, I wouldn't shouldn't have Isn't left. Isn't that really? <laughs> he just basically stayed on right. and just whatever, stayed there and kept taking classes. This sounds like a man that should be my hero. Wrote this, you know, 1,400-page <laughs> manuscript over that time, and the book is about, it's like a Harry Potter school, Okay, but this character is basically there. At the college, uh, the fantasy college for years, too. I get it. It's good, right? It's good. And then there's a dragon at the end. It's fun. It's good. Sneak that in. Yeah. And this would have been a strong fit for Showtime, I think, because they love long series. Like, Dexter went sure way do, too yeah. long. Wouldn't they love this? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they didn't No, that's a good point. I, happened. I, so, is this something you want to see adapted? This is something high on your de- desire list? Yes, of course. I, I love the books. I read them the, the first two. I can't wait for the third book. I kind of check like this guy's social media all the time when's the third book coming out when's the third book coming out i do that all the time oh, so this has only been two books too it says, two books wow. that's it the man's a huge smash hit lynn manuel miranda was attached for the longest time trying to adapt that he couldn't get it done i guess at showtime so somebody else buy this and give this to me please <laughs> i want this so we do care about that very good we do and i'm wondering if you care about this wacky first birds of prey poster michael I can't even describe it. It's basically, all right, it's it's Harlequin's face, mm-hmm. Margot Robbie, and she's painted up there in costume, and there's all these characters, like, flying through her brain. It looks like just, uh, I don't know, a meme? It's the Sylvester and Tweety thing. Yes. It's when Sylvester yes. gets bumped on the head, and you'd be a Good. bunch of Tweety birds are circling around his... It's in my subconscious somewhere. Yeah. I dumped it years ago, but you're right. I just wish... Because Margot Robbie takes up a solid 90% of this poster. I wish this studio would just go all the way and truly commit to Margot Robbie being the centerpiece of this franchise. Because she clearly is. That's a joke. That's sarcasm. (laughs) Obviously, they can't do more to cater to her being the Birds of Prey face. And credit to her. Look, this is Margot Robbie's property in more ways than just she's Harley Quinn and she's the center of this because she's Margot Robbie. It's because of her production company this movie has gotten off the ground being made in the first place. Right. So good for her. I think this is going to make a lot of money. I, I think this is a good step for DC overall. Like we said, we have some favorites in this. We keep talking about Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Can't wait to see her. I love this poster. I think it is a callback to Sylvester and Tweety. If we're talking about birds of prey, Tweety Bird, it makes sense. At least that's the connection I made right away. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> you make some literal connections that are actually pretty smart. That somehow. I don't think that's true. No, I don't. <laughs> that's a literal connection that I wouldn't have thought of, I guess. Or maybe my I'm just fucking Well, shot. thank you for the comment. I might be shot That here. thing you said about Blind Squirrel and Nuts, I think, is applying to both of us in different parts here today. Battlestar Galactica, Mike, it's getting a reboot. It's coming out from Sam Ismail. Do we care? Well, this is what NBC needs to do, right? I mean, this is a smart play on their part. You have CBS going all in on Star Trek sure. and giving fans exactly what they want with however many series there. This is a really really good play. Sam Esmail from Mr. Robot is is a very good showrunner. I mean, he's, he's doing uh, Homefront on Amazon. He's doing Mr. Robot on FX. He's got, I think he's got another show. USA. About- Mr. Robot on USA. <laughs> and the only reason I know that, by the way, not to cut you off, yeah. the marketing for that show should be ashamed of itself. Is Why Remy Malik isn't plastered as Academy Award winner for Best Actor Remy Malik in the final season of the series that brought him to... Pro- why that's not the commercial all throughout NBC's channels, I don't know. I, all of a sudden, I'm hit with a wave of guilt because I watched the first two seasons of Mr. Robot and I haven't I'm watched the last it, one yeah. or two. Uh, or, I watched I the first couple episodes and gave up, so you're in good company. It's good, it's good. Yeah, it is, it's, really it is. it's well done. We know it's good. It's like the Americans. It's so good, you yeah. gotta watch it. And yet, 
watch Scrub season three. <laughs> <laughs> what, everything or what we're watching just looks so much worse right now. Mike, just days after its death, Movie Pass may be resurrected. I didn't even read the article. I can't bring myself to read this information. <laughs> I'm done with it. So Movie Pass is officially you don't Jason. Care. Right. It's it's J- I don't care. It's Jason. All we need is Corey Haim to be at the ribbon cutting cutting ceremony and for a wayward bolt of lightning to strike this company to officially make the analogy true. <laughs> movie Pass is Jason. So it got me thinking what other corporations are which horror movie icons, Mike? All right? This is the direction I'm going with this, this story. This was supposed to be a lightning round, but this I like this. I refuse right. to give Movie Pass any more serious consideration or thought. This company should be dead 10 times over. Over. So who is backing this? The Aluma fucking Naughty? Yeah, they have to be, right? Or Disney, which is what I came up with immediately. Disney clearly is Leatherface because we have a massive monster, which has always been part of an openly despicable family, mm. constantly looking to dismember its competition in order to reuse their useful parts. I think that's pretty obvious. They... <laughs> 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 I know you. I know. I know. They Just did go this with it. to one company, and we may have a Fox Searchlight film winning the Oscar this year. One of those two. Nintendo is Michael Myers, completely yeah. ignoring your justification as to why they deserve to exist and aren't as terrible as I'm making them out to be, which is absolutely true. Nintendo is Michael Myers. Uh, they started out the strongest and set the blueprint for all the copycats in their industry to come, but they had some crucial setbacks as time passed and tried to evolve and failed a little bit until recently, where it's universally heralded once again and people can't wait for the next console that makes sense right and trump is freddy because he continuously kills everyone's american dream i blacked out five years <laughs> just n- no no recollection just anything no. i'll listen to it when you play it on the you know when i play it on the itunes mike i'm gonna set myself up right now amazon's lord of the rings will film in new zealand because of course it will uh, where the hell else would a film they have entire tourism industry based on the sets of the last six movies? I'm terrified of, of bringing up the next do you care topic for you, but I, I will don't do have that. much on it. Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends will bring up all of the characters affected by Michael in the original movie. Do you care? Not kind of. I mean, I care that Laurie's bring bring back and they bring back the three headed female lead. Yes, I care about okay. that. I mean, who, who, what does this mean? We know we're getting Tommy. We know we're getting Lindsay as different character, or one different character actor and one the same. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, sure, yeah. But Michael and Laurie Strode is the story. But if, you know, Linda and Bob and Annie, you know, Nancy Kyes, if they come back, that's... Well, don't do that. No, I don't want to see Do you want to see that? Not them. If their kids are also babysitters. Oh. You know, I'm not... They, yeah, they could couldn't be... come back because some of them were killed. Right, but... right. That could be interesting. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But they couldn't have story. kids. Right. It doesn't even make sense. Right. I don't They're brothers and sisters' kids. A lot of people have died in this franchise, so I don't know what returning characters you're going to get other than Mike, the ones we all know What are the birds and the bees? How does human reproduction work? <laughs> when a man yeah. loves a woman very much, <laughs> he calls a stork. Michael, next story. Glow will get its fourth and final season from Netflix. Very happy about this. Sure. Uh, I've watched the documentary, so I know how it all ends in terms of an epilogue. So if you don't want to know how the fourth season's probably going to end, don't watch the documentary on Netflix. But then again, I'm still like in for watching this, so let's go. Yeah, absolutely. They deserve a final season, too. They deserve to go out on their own terms. Happy to see that. And this is a fun story. Final story here. Julie Andrews is getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from AFI. There's clearly only one explanation. Uh, one. Just one. Uh, our coverage of the original <laughs> Mary Poppins and the return sequel mm-hmm. penetrated the zeitgeist and... It led to Miss Andrews getting this coveted award, and we take full credit, and you're welcome, everybody. We do. We do. Yeah. I agree with you. It's the first time this episode. 
that is your MMO Weekly episode as we sadly sat by and had to restart this episode a couple times watching the Giants on the side. And Daniel Saquon Jones Barkley. is up and down. Daniel Jones yeah. is up and down. Saquon Barkley, please don't be hurt. Please come back or just stay away until next year. Game of Thrones, I hope you lose to succession, but I still love you. I've no, we're saying all this shit like that was yesterday's shit and we're talking about it today. That's but right. the people are listening to it tomorrow right. and we're basically in the plot of In the Shadow of the Moon right now somehow. <laughs> okay. Which I'm going to watch on Netflix. Right. So it all comes the full circle, The Shape of the Moon, of course. We'll watch everything on, on Netflix. <laughs> we yes. clearly want to know, guys, your thoughts, comments, questions, <laughs> concerns about anything we covered in this episode and anything in the MMO Empire. You could reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you would be so kind, if you appreciate the content we put out, we'll take 30 seconds to leave us a five-star review just go on your iphone tap the podcast app in the lower right hand corner tap search type in mike mike and oscar and submit you can tap on our logo scroll down once you'll see the opportunity to leave us a five-star review and even leave us a comment if you feel so inclined michael tell these fine people what is coming next and give them some words of wisdom to start their weeks on yeah we're gonna do the emmy reaction show mike then we're gonna have ad astra heath ledger's joker we only got two weeks yeah a week and a half before uh joaquin phoenix's joker comes out on the fourth we'll be watching it on the third we have uh jared leto and heath ledger to get to so we'll be finishing up that rewatch series which has been a blast yeah and uh, definitely has. definitely get to that folks mmo weekly and oscar race checkpoint are going strong we'll get to judy when we can uh, a lot coming down the pike here and i just want to say after this two week <laughs> you know kind of uh, stroll back down the beautiful grounds of downton abbey <laughs> It really has been encouraging, and it's been fun to watch a movie and and read a book from the same author who I know is just going to make me very happy and give me total resolution by the end of it. And it's, it's, it's wise to do that for old people in particular who have the fear of death on their lips every moment. Let's go every see waking downtown moment. Abbey while I'm alive. That's why I need a movie that ends happily because my any... son hasn't talked to me in months. What is these young people and their weird technology? I remember when I dressed like that. My mom is just so bad right at now. The radio. She's Ye- not that yelling old. at the radio. Yelling at but I think that has to to do with it but uh, you know it's very very smart in terms of delivering to the fans exactly what they want and i am i am genuinely a fan and i got two julian fellows properties this week in downton abbey and in belgravia and i feel i feel much better i do really do I'm happy. We took a little bit of a break, and I feel better because I cleanse myself with those things. I'm happy that you're happy. That's what's important here. <laughs> and meanwhile, you are like in corporate corruption. <laughs> Fucking Disney is Leatherface. And <laughs> you can't sleep when you stay this woke, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya.